So it turns out, it, it turns out that the guy from Party Down and Veronica Mars is a Ryan. Ryan Hansen. Sorry, so, buddy. There we go. We have a Ryan. We pegged you. We do have a Ryan. We we did get him bullseye, dead to rights. But we for knew. those of you in Star Trek Watch, we did have Seven of Nine appearing for us in Dracula 2000, and now we have Nana Visitor, Kira Norris, momentarily making a little cameo as Pamela Voorhees. Although oh, it's not her is? voice. What's he talking about? I think he's doing a Star Trek thing. Gotcha. It's from Space Nine. Kira Norris, the Bajoran lady. Oh, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah got Nine, it. The Bajoran lady. Yeah, got it. Yeah, Nailed sure. it. Okay. <laughs> Just like... My memories told me. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast. We gather around a table and discuss the Star Trek films you'll never discuss in a full-size course. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, or boy. other films you'll never discuss. I watched the course. wrong space movie. It is Shocktober 10. We are doing a marathon Oh, uh, remakes in the 2000 aughts. We're taking her on home. This is it. This is it. Um, looking at the uh, Friday the 13th remake from Platinum Dune. So Michael Bay's Friday the 13th. That's right. The Ots horror remake outfit so nice. We gave them twice the damn lineups in the the series. Yeah, it was either them or Dark Castle. Yeah, I mean, right, exactly. Right. Both of them were pumping. The, it's so weird. There were just two studios that were doing a bunch of horror remakes for ten years. But um, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. Um, I am Dalton, but I'm going to be murdered here shortly by a co-ed, and then I'll be replaced by my older brother. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah, it checks out. So um, we're doing uh, Friday the 13th. Yay! I'm excited. You've been waiting for this for years. I love Friday the 13th. How do you feel that we did the remake and not one of the OGs? <laughs> um, irritated. But um, that's fine. In case you're tuning into the show for the very first time, though, um, dear listener, this is a re- analysis show, not a review show. And that... If you have seen Scream, you already know who the killer was in the first movie in the originals, and, you know, Jason appears later and all that good stuff. But we're going to try to avoid the spoilers of this particular film, although we may spoil things in its orbit around that, but we're going to avoid that this way. We're going to do synopsis, spoiler free. We're going to do thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, generally spoiler light. So we might talk about who the real Jason and Pamela is and all that good stuff there. Um, Then we're going to expand the syllabus, which might mean spoilers of some films in this orbit. Perhaps, or maybe not. And then we're going to get down to business, and then we're not going to care about spoilers at all. So, there you go. With that, Arthur, do you have a synopsis? As they tend to do, a group of college-aged young adults find themselves at a lakeside cabin for the summer. They plan to drink and pump and pump and drink. While on vacation, a worried young man named Clay shows up looking for his sister who went missing a few weeks prior. Clay searches the nearby woods and stumbles upon a dilapidated summer camp. A camp that is said to be home to an urban legend by the name of Jason Voorhees. Dun, dun, dun. Yay. All right. Obligatory mic game done. We might do it once or twice more. It it might happen more, but I've done it at least now. So I feel like I was contractually obligated to at least... I'm only paying you for one, then I'm going to double it up on the soundtrack. Um, all right, cool. Um, with that, though, let's hear our thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Um, Dalton, I want to hear yours first. Why do you like or not like this movie? I don't like this movie very much, unfortunately. It is a wild choice to have Clay just show up. Uh, love that. I love that there are two sets of main characters in this movie. I think that is very funny to sort of be running two games 
uh, as far as your screenplay goes uh, and like who's going there for for what reasons. I think that that's pretty clever. I like some things about this. I like the look of Jason in this a lot. I mean, I, I've I've got thoughts about the look of Jason, despite not being a Friday fan. Like I, I have always thought he had good character design as far as the the slasher movie heavy hitters go. The, the, the hockey mask is iconic and he's just he's a big dude. He gives you the best of uh, of Michael and uh, the best of Freddy together, I feel like. Because Jason's a very, uh, you know, he's not funny uh, with his voice like Freddy, but he sure does do some comedic murders. Mm-hmm. He loves to slapstick murder people. That's yeah, just does. like his bread and butter, man. Uh, and I think he looks pretty good in this. Uh, I like Ben Feldman from uh, Mad Men and Superstore. It's fun to see him. Ryan Hansen from Party Down, who we already mentioned. Love to see him. Uh, Choi, uh, what's his, uh, is his name? His Aaron Hughes' his name. He plays Choi in... Um, 21 or whatever that mm. blackjack movie was yeah he's good here really hate that he gets murdered he's the only character i actually liked and of course we've got mr supernatural himself sam what's what's his name jared padalecki padalecki fun last name oh and danielle panabaker like what a fun cast this has got some some young and were, were names and became cw extras i mean like i i don't know i like the careers of the people that are in this movie to be clear i'm not making fun of them it is just you know that's it's exactly the cast you'd expect for 2009 and it's just fun that i don't know some of these people are still working um i've now run out of nice things to say i think the movie's pretty bad uh much like uh last week's film amityville horror and the other platinum dunes remake uh texas chainsaw massacre this includes a prologue that's uh sort of setting the scene uh but we get two prologues for the price of one here which i think is very nice we get an 80 set one and then we flash forward to six weeks before uh, the uh, actual movie itself takes place, which is clunky and not very good as far as uh, getting your movie laid out. And it's kind of all downhill from there. I don't know. This movie's just, it's, it is what you would expect a Friday the 30, 13th remake to be, uh, unfortunately, right? Like, it's not, there's no surprises here. There is no like, oh, well, okay, well, they like, they get the franchise and why people like it and they really put no it, it's it's not like the rob zombie halloweens where you're gonna find somebody that's got like a really strong case to make on why this is good i am sure this movie has its fans i don't think any of them could make a really strong case of why it works well i, I would love to hear it but i've seen enough i don't know i saw jason x i've seen freddy versus jason those were the the two that i was you know old enough to want to watch horror movies and young enough to not be very discerning about horror movies that those were the two that came out and you know the rest of the franchise has just never really appealed to me. So I'm, I know that I'm not the target demo for this movie. Uh, I just I wish I could have found something to to get my hooks into. But I, yeah, I was pretty much ready for it to be over from minute twelve. Sorry. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What do you say, Arthur Gordon? Do you like the Friday the Thirteenth remake? Uh, this is the third time I've seen it. Somehow. Um, and it has actually grown on me quite a bit. Really? Um, okay. I I do like it. I, I think I'm not... I, I, I didn't watch a Friday the 13th movie until I was well into my 20s. Uh, so I have no love loss for the, the franchise itself. Uh, I, I watched actually most of them last year while we were quarantined. I went through and watched all but uh, the last two. Uh, well, uh, all but Hell and Space. Uh, and I just caught up with Space. Uh, and in a franchise filled with dumb not very good movies that have an iconic character i think this is as good if not stands with the best of them okay mm-hmm. um i think it taps into the best elements it plays as the greatest hits 
Uh, okay. I don't know that we can really spoil it because Jason kills everybody, right? Uh, so the the thing uh, with uh, Whitney that kind of tied to the mom uh, plays back to two, I think. Harkens back to that psychological net connection that they do in two. Uh, we get the, the barn hanging, which comes up later, I think, in three or four. Uh, we get the bow and arrow kill, which is done in three or four. Uh, and, and so it definitely plays as almost like a greatest hits. Mm. Um, I, I, I kind of like, I don't know how much I care for the second. I like the introduction of we're going to get Jason's mom out of the way because that's what everybody doesn't know, right? We've We've so correlated the idea of Jason with Friday the 13th that had they tried to run the Jason's mom play, I don't think it would have worked. Uh, yeah, and so to kind of get that out of the way is smart because it sets up thematically what's going to happen in the film. Um, and it still acknowledges it. I, I think, though, that what this does with Jason Voorhees as a person, as a character who doesn't really become this unrelenting evil force until later in the original franchise, that he is smart, that he is knowledgeable, that he is territorial, that he is... Somewhat sympathetic. Yeah. I, I think, you know, he's a little Norman Batesy in a way, and I think that's effective. But I, I love the way they set up his his campgrounds, uh, his lair, uh, that he just wants to be left alone, and anybody intruding in that kind of steps on his memory and territory and the the approach there, right? We see the trophies that he has. He was a good hunter. He was a good swimmer. Uh, and, and so they, they put in those little things here and there to make it reasonable that he could uh, – put a bullet in the, or a bow uh, arrow in the heart at a hundred yards or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and, and make that funny, but also there's some, some connection there in the mise-en-scene of the film. I think Marcus Nispel does a great job here. I, I actually think he does a great job at the Texas chainsaw remake. Uh, and I think he does a pretty good job here as well. How's that one hold? I've seen that the one time, and I actually saw it before I saw the original, and at 14, I thought it was pretty cool. The last time I watched it, I it think it holds right. up. Yeah, okay. I, I, it helps. One, this spell, I think, is pretty good, uh, but also the fact that they brought back the cinematographer from the original Texas, I think, helps. As I well. remember it looking very dirty. The yeah, uh, and I, I think this looks good. I, I mean, it is what it is, right? You've got a group or two groups of very annoying Ooh. that you want to see killed, right? I, I, I think I'm most frustrated that uh, Clay doesn't ever punch out Trent or whoever is the rich guy oh, that Trent, owns the cabin. Trent's bad. I like that Trent gets to scream real good. Yeah. That's yeah, fun. I like that. Right. I like the scream and so I, I, I think that the dumb adult, young adult thing is what it is because that's just part of what this franchise always been. You, yeah. you take a group of teenagers and some are likable and some are non-likable and you just kill them off. Uh, but I think it tries to play with Jason in a way that Zombie did try to play with Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Tries to and imbue him with some like Maybe character. to greater effect. Really? Because why would I want to cheer Michael Myers, who is pure evil personified? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And I think that's a harder to accept than this kid who maybe has some learning issues, mm-hmm. saw his mom murdered, was neglected. perpetually bullied, neglected, nearly killed by counselors, yeah. or allowed to die. And so I think it just plays a little bit with him in a more interesting way, if not a more basic way than what Zombie does with my and that's not to downplay my no. uh Zombie's films but I think they're interesting correlations between the way those two things play with the villain as sympathetic. I have a double question. I, I this is for either of you or both, you know, since you both are kind of well acquainted with the franchise. Is Jason so in the first Friday the 13th he has drowned, right? And then he comes back at the end of the movie and 
Well, okay, so... In the original, I mean. Yeah, in the original, the comeback is possibly a hallucination. Okay. And possibly there is a kid in the water. Okay. Who might grow up and age and do some murdering, right? And so it's, you know, is he still there, still there, still Mm -hmm. there? We don't know. Um, and, And so that's kind of fun. Okay. You know, the way it's played out in this film... Has less of that fun, but it has that homage. And that's what I was yeah. unclear. Yeah, because the prologue here like goes with the, he was already drowned. Surprise, no, he wasn't. Yeah. And it doesn't really get much into it other than that. Yeah. Which is, I don't know. Anyway. Weird flex. But. I was wondering if your your, your lore Mom's assumption is that he's dead. Gotcha. Mom thinks he's dead. Gotcha. And that's why she's gone nuts. Cuckoo for yeah. Cocoa Puffs. Yes. Yeah, as it were. As you would say, clinically. Yeah. Correct <laughs> yeah I believe that. Clinically, um, cuckoo banana pants. For anyway. when you murder a bunch of teens? Yeah, that's what they say. I think there are some fun kills here. I, I, I think it does some fun stuff. I think there are some that don't matter. I, I The farmhand with the weed-dealing farmhand seems like a weird flex just to get another death in there. Uh, as soon as I saw the hay spike on the back of the truck, you know, there's a fun little Chekhov's gun there Yep. Uh, to see that come back. And, and so I, I just... I don't really care as much about the humans in this in this movie, I should say. Uh, but I just think what they do with Jason is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, and everything regarding Jason here interests me to no end. Uh, and for that, I, I've really come around on this after watching it several times. I also like that it subverts a few things with the final girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Um, that I think is interesting, but I don't know much else to say about that right now. So let's go. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I like it, too. I think it's fine. I mean, is, is it good? I've been avoiding the movie because I've heard it was bad, and um, I do have a lot of love for the original franchise. And so I got to it for the first time for the show, and I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, is, is it as... Is it as good as the best entries? No, but it's right there with the the, the, the sort of peak mid-level entries. Now, you know? for you, those are, just out of curiosity, um, and, and for anybody that's uh, wanting to get into the franchise, what are the, the peak ones? Uh, one, two, four, and six. There you have it. I, 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 I like one quite a bit. Yeah. I don't like two as much, but I like three a lot. Yeah, well, I like I like two because we get we get Jason. Jason, yeah, yeah. I mean, the I guess Jason three D is I, I I find it to be a middling. Yeah. Is that the effort. first hockey mask one? That's the first hockey mask. That's what one. I thought. What's four? Four is uh, is that Tommy Jarvis, the first, the kid with uh, yeah. one of the Corys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay, uh, that one's pretty good. But six uh, six I think is my favorite. Six is great. Which one? Five six? is six is the meta one. Five is five is dog trash. That's Manhattan. That's yeah, no. That's five is the, the mental illness one, and ah, it's just different. Yeah. It's an impersonator. Ah, yeah, that's okay. a weird one. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, uh, seven's got the psychic, and seven and three for me are both like the middling level. Gotcha. And so is uh, Jason takes Manhattan. It's a middling level one. And that's eight. God. That's eight. Yeah, and it's all right. Um, how I was able to just rattle off all the. Basic well, and that was why I was asking. You. I know Arthur's, you know, experience with it was kind of that marathon experience. So I figured you might they might kind of be broken up a little bit more clearly for you. But I like the movie because I like it goes from mom to gunny sack to honky mask in one film. I think that's that's actually a good choice. I mean, I think that's the right move to make. Right? Mm-hmm. You you go you honor the fact that there are two other movies basically everybody's forgotten about, and you and you set nineteen eighty as the nineteen fifties, you know, original. Uh, sort of murder that happens because I mean in the original one there's a there's a murder way back when oh okay right afterward and then the camp's just now coming back and mom is just still not having it gotcha and uh, so that that's fine um and then the beheading and all that good stuff you know we we got to do the thing that we got to do um I do like uh Trent's casting 
Um, Megan Fox's boyfriend from Transformers all over again, playing the exact same role and is perfect for it. Uh. And uh, Trent versus Clay, I like that dynamic. I yeah. think that totally works. Can, can I tell you something you're not going to believe? Uh, do. Well, you're going to absolutely believe it. His name's Trent in Transformers. Is it? Yeah. Poor okay. Travis Van Winkle, forever cast as a Trent. When you have that name and look. I mean, yeah. I mean, it totally checks out. But anyway, um, yeah, I think it works. I think it plays with the mythology. It does some things that are, again, sort of winks and nods to it without being slavishly obedient, with the exception of perhaps our final jump scare, yeah. uh, which I think was slavishly obediently and maybe a I little agree. bit of fumbled I agree. there towards the end. Yeah. Um, but you do have to sort of like leave sequel room because that yeah. is kind of a franchise thing yeah. there. So that's fine. Um, but that all being said, um, I found it to be generally effective in doing the things at ticking all the appropriate box in a 21st century update of the franchise that works. I mean, you know, again, right with all those other middling level ones, uh, of the, of the original franchise is, is as good as the psychic one. It's as good as part three, I think. Um, and so, yeah, it works for me, but it's not as good as four. It's not as good as one and two. It's not as good as six, but. That's okay. Yeah. It's, if I was telling people to check out the franchise, I would point them to this one in addition to some of the originals. Yeah. And just there were some I would omit. Well, maybe I should go check out these originals, though. Uh, but yeah, this doesn't hit. I mean, I was a target demo. They're for so this. easy to watch, too, right? They're like 80 to 90 minutes. That's so you can, you can get through them pretty quick. Because I, I mean, I watched them pretty quick last year. I bet year. you did. Yeah. I'm sure you got through them in probably less than two weeks. Yeah. yeah they're And that's nice that they're all bite sized. That's good. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm glad that this is kind of a sampler of what I can expect from the franchise. So that's nice to know that it operates at that level. Yeah, and I think really thinking of it as like the uh, hors d'oeuvre sampler, the appetizer mm -hmm. sampler. Yeah, that's almost exactly the kind yeah. of experience. It's you're Friday getting. the Thirteenth's triple threat dipper. The great yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you get a little bit of all the things you're supposed to get. So there you go, dear listener. Um, those are our thoughts, which are you know whatever um, about this movie. So let's do this thing though, where we expand the syllabus and make this academic. Arthur, can you tell us? What that's all about i can when i find my notes the expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we the hosts uh, assemble an academic course or module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent texts uh, from books and articles to tangentially related films and stories all right well thank you very much for that um dalton what's the class look like for you if you're teaching the 2009 remake of friday the 13th well i'm gonna do the thing that you mentioned which is if i were teaching this class i would probably hope to defer to somebody who should actually be teaching this class but it is a uh, a class that I'm going to be calling Men, Women, and Chainsaws and Beyond, of course, uh, making... Oh, my gosh, I forgot to write her name down. Carol Clover. Uh, thank you. Carol Clover's uh, very famous novel, uh, novel uh, text on uh, horror and gender, uh, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, which is from 92, 93, somewhere in there. It's been updated several times. Uh, it's It's a very good text for talking about this kind of stuff. And I think this film works very well for getting into it because it does sort of do the what you could call the cardinal sins of the slasher or maybe the hallmarks of the genre. And that sort of depends on who you ask and how you ask them. Because I think everybody who likes horror or who likes movies, maybe not likes horror, but everybody has opinions about how slashers operate as far as the tropes that work, the, the sort of, again, the hallmarks or cardinal sins of the genre, um, and, and to mixed effect, right? Like Halloween's doing something, you could argue, uh, lots has been made of Black Christmas and, you know, what actually is going on there as, as far as the text and what it has to say. Uh, so we'd look at the classics, right? We would look at, you know, Halloween and Black Christmas for the first two slasher films. Uh, we'd probably look at this and maybe one of the other classic Fridays, 
we'd, uh, I, I think we'd have to take a look at all the heavy hitters, right? Michael and Freddie and Jason, et cetera. But then I think we would have to look at the things that are actively aware of these tropes, actively trying to do something different. You know, your, uh, your exorcists, right? Your Jennifer's bodies, uh, your autopsies of Jane Doe, your cabins in the woods, uh, with, of course, a detour talk about Joss Whedon's sort of uh, problematic meta-textual and engaging with uh, feminism and horror. Uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. I think that that's sort of a good jumbling of films, though, to to engage with these ideas, to to think about what Clover was getting at with that book. And, and again, to to think about... There is a wealth of writing on this. Like, I, there, It's not even worth trying to name you uh, a few selections other than Carol Clover's book, because, I mean, writing about gender and, and horror is sort of one of the, I don't know, the most well-explored topics in film studies, potentially, uh, at, at least as far as the, the, the male gaze and the, the use of women in film. Is there a male gaze in this film? Oh, hmm. Do you know Michael Bay walked out of this movie uh, because he thought there was too much sex in it? The producer of the has film. he not seen a Friday the Thirteenth movie? I don't think probably not. No, honestly, okay. do you think he has? I, I don't. Well, I think he's probably seen one or two of the movies they remade. It's a weird Dunes. flex for Michael Bay. That is weird. Yeah, right. I wouldn't have anticipated that. Yeah, show your displeasure with the director by going. <laughs> I gave. no being offended by too much sex. I think it makes perfect sense, right? I thought the same thing at first, and the more I thought about, it, the more I was like. Okay, he does kind of hate people though, so maybe sex just grosses him out. Maybe he's one of those like the human body. He has sex in his movies. I mean, he's he's he sexualizes. Yeah, but I think but, he sexualizes. But no sex. Megan Fox and Transformers the same way as he does the cars huh. in that movie. Yeah, right. Like he yes. is sort of a yes vulgar visualist at every turn. Whereas this movie, yeah, its gaze is pretty specific. Right, uh, and I am sure we will talk about that in just a moment. But that's my class. We just sort of a, probably a one hundred and one on film studies, but definitely one that I think is, is worth looking into. If, if you're curious about film and specifically horror, uh, men and women chainsaws has got some great stuff. I've read some selections from it. I've never read the whole thing. So it'd be a good excuse for me to brush up there. There you go. Well, thank you very much for that. Mr. Dolan. What does your syllabus look like, Arthur? Um, I want to talk about, uh, I kind of already alluded to this. Uh, we've, we've talked about the other heavy hitter in, in horror remakes in the early aughts, uh, with Dark Castle when we talked 13 Ghosts. And so I'm going to come back to that and we're going to talk Platinum Dunes. Uh, we are going to talk about Michael Bay, Brad Fuller and Andrew Form, uh, and this company that was founded in 2001. Uh, the initial release was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, again, directed by Marcus Nispel, uh, eight years prior to this. And so I think that's where we start. Uh, to look at this, and I have to wonder. I was going to do a lot of reading. The, there's not much on the Wikipedia about Platinum Dooms in comparison to uh, Dark Castle, uh, but I have to wonder if they didn't see the success of uh, the Haunting of Hill House and uh, her Haunting a House on the Hill, House on House on Haunted, Haunted, Hill. Haunted Hill. Yep, Jeez. and I agree. Uh, and Thirteen Ghosts, and start to think, hey, there may be something to this, uh, and, and so I, I want to look at that beginning of platinum dunes and really they're doubling down we, we talked about how dark castle moved away from horror but platinum dunes stuck to horror specifically remakes for a while before branching out to do original work uh so like i said we're gonna start with texas chainsaw massacre because i think it is a pretty heavy opening or strong opening for them as, as a brand uh, i want to talk about the 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 idea of michael bay and the immediate response that that brings to a lot of lot of people's attention when they think, you know, Michael Bay produced this horror movie, well, it's going to be trash. And I don't think that that's true or accurate. Uh, and, you know, 
as an executive producer, we, we have to look at that role and what that means in regards to his say in the film totally. and, and his part of that creative process. Uh, and I'm really curious about that. And not only that, but Brad Fuller and Andrew Form as well and their whole role uh, in, in producing at, at the level um, that they're at. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about is Amityville Horror, which is kind of a, uh, you know, another retread uh, of a previous iconic film. Um, Do they have but any still remakes? financially successful, but uh, critically not as well regarded. I was just curious if they did they do any other remakes between those two? Um, I as think, far as you know, I'm trying to remember. I looked at it. Oh, it's okay. I think those two are out the gate. Gotcha. Um, I wasn't sure if they stuck anything between the two of them. No, it was those two right off the bat. And there's two year. There's a two year period between them. The next one is the Texas Chainsaw Beginning. Gotcha. Um, which brings in Jonathan Liebesman, uh, and then they do the Hitcher. Ah, okay. In 2007, so it's a kind of a slow and steady output of these remakes. Gotcha. Uh, until uh, around 2013, um, which would take us to the next movie on my list, which is The Purge, and they start moving into original works. Uh, so we have to talk about Platinum Dooms and its impact because The Purge has become a full-on franchise with multiple sequels and a TV show. Uh, so we have to take a look at that, and we also want to take a look at Ouija uh, and its sequel, I think, uh, to talk about that that role of, again, adapting now a board game and what that looks like and, and kind of fitting that into this larger conversation of childhood and nostalgia because the other big movie that platinum uh, dunes makes during this time period is teenage mutant ninja turtles wow. uh so i want to look at that it's kind of the one non-horror film that they they really go into uh the original and its sequel uh so i want to look at teenage mutant ninja turtles out of the shadows uh and then they're kind of doubling down on original work with a quiet place uh, and that working relationship between Bay and Krasinski, which also brings us Jack Ryan and 13th hour and, and looking at all how that all plays together. Um, but I, I'm just kind of, you know, it's curious to see these two different studios who are doing very similar things and really kind of run, run the yard uh, for the better part of a decade on horror remakes and probably to pretty equal success uh but looking maybe at house style because like we mentioned with uh, dark castle uh there's a lot more practical sets mm -hmm. and a lot more homage to the 60s camp in horror that we saw with the vincent price stuff and corman um versus i think the flashier stylistic approach you would expect from a michael pay uh, production company yeah. and studio line uh and, and we talked about that last week with amityville and it, that very high overproduced quality that it has and how that kind of affects the other movies uh, that Platinum Dooms comes out. So I'd like to look at those house styles together mm -hmm. in comparison to one another to see what they are doing and, and how drastically different they are. Yeah, I'm thinking just within Platinum Dunes, I, I am curious how many of these are movies that have a flashback cold open because I'm pretty sure it's all of them, right? Like I bet the Nightmare remake Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, does it start? I know the Texas Chainsaw one has like a crime scene walkthrough at the start, so it's probably the shortest prologue. But Amityville's got that, that fairly long one. I don't think Nightmare does. Okay. I, I know it does the flashbacks, but I don't think it starts that with one. That makes way more sense, actually. Uh, I have seen The Unborn, which is a terrible movie. <laughs> um, heard that you feel that way, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, it'd be, oh, Horseman—that's a bad movie too. Wow, I remember. I used to work at a movie theater when Horseman came out. I Dennis Quaid, satanic, yeah, panic kind of thing. I think they came out like close to each other too. I was working at a theater when both of these came out. They were um, it was a good year for them. Oh nine, they released a bunch of movies. I haven't seen. I've seen a pretty decent amount of these. 
Anyway, I'm surprised how many I've seen. I like the course, man. They are a weird studio, and they they did outlive Dark Castle. Yeah, well, I guess Dark uh, Castle just came back. Well, at least day. stuck to horror, you know. Yeah, which is a thing. Uh, there was an article written that they uh, were set to stop making remaking horror films and focus on original stuff. So interesting. That's interesting. Anyway, that's where I'd go. It'd be a a studio study again. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you very much for that, Mister Arthur welcome. Gordon. What you got? Well, I I don't know what I have because. I've always tried to really focus in these syllabi to be proper courses. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that this is a course as much as it is an interesting research question. Okay. And to explore that, I guess you can conceivably construct it within the realm of a, uh, a graduate course. Okay. And uh, set students that, that to, to think about those kind of questions. And, but I don't know what, I mean, I think it's too focused in terms of what possible projects you'd come up with. And that is all to say, an introduction to say, I want to explore the idea of the horror remake. Mm-hmm. When do you do that? What happens? What, what happens box office-wise? What happens ideologically? What happens in terms of time? What happens in terms of narrative and filmmaking style? That sets up a set of circumstances in which one would come back to a franchise like Friday the 13th. And remake it. There's uh, 10 entries at this point or more. I mean, Jason versus Freddy is kind of a thing unto itself, perhaps. But there's a number. Yeah, it's it's Alien versus Predator. It's its own thing. Yeah, it's its yeah. own thing. Um, there's a number of those. And, and so I want to think about when do you come back and say, I'm going to start over from scratch as a filmmaker, as a studio. When do you want to do that? Um, is it because you've got uh, an, a generation of time in place for like your Rob Zombie who wants to come back to a movie that he loves like Halloween and do that? And what level of floundering needs to happen both in terms of narrative, mythology, and box office yep. to do that? And so that's how what... far off the track does Halloween have to get before they reboot it? Not once, not twice, but thrice. Right. Yeah. And, and so Halloween's a really interesting example there. Sure. And so, I mean, the same thing with Jason, right? And what are the motivations? Are the motivations simply, it's no longer feasible to make another sequel? The canon's too dense. We have to start all over. We have to start all over again. So is, is it something along those lines? Is it a question of keeping licensure for a property? which is another interesting question. Mm-hmm. Or is it, uh, again, just uh, another studio has acquired the rights, and now we want to make something with it. And so I want to think about that with, uh, for instance, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake with, uh, uh, what's his name? Jackie Earl Haley. Uh, Jack, yep. Jackie Earl Haley. It's and, like one uh, of those three names, but I want to say Haley Joe Alsman, and, and that's uh, not right. Rooney Mara as the uh, oh, Heather Langenkamp. Right. right. Yeah. And so there's that entry in there. And, and again, that's sort of, Something that's post New Nightmare, which is a pretty high watermark, really. It's a good movie. I franchise. like that movie. And as opposed to again, Jason X, which is uh, for the most part a pretty low watermark for uh, the Friday the Thirteenth series. Uh, again, Halloween, low to high watermarks here and there. The way in which the reboots of Zombie are their own thing all by themselves is a separate franchise within the franchise. And now this third reboot, what is that all about? It, it, there's just there are so many interesting uh, industrial, thematic, and also generational sort of just artistic opportunities. I'm thinking about your Evil Dead remake as yeah, well sure. as, as something to consider in all of this. And and so how one goes about doing that, what changes one makes, homages one is obligated to do, what 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 determines 
an ob- obligatory homage. Mm. What determines that which must be redone? Yeah, what parts of the thing are so iconic you can't not deal with them? Right, and so... Chainsaws for Evil Dead, hockey masks for Friday, and so on. Yeah, ex- yeah, uh, chainsaws for your Texas chainsaw massacres for that And, matter. of course... Score drops. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, music is huge. The, the, the ch-ch-ch-ha-ha-has again, right? Uh, when do you do those things? And I... I like I said, I don't know if that's really more of a research project for a book that somebody would write mm-hmm. or a dissertation, or if that is something that's really eligible for coursework. But I find that to be a really interesting set of questions that I do not have answers to. It's a compelling question, though. Yeah. You know, when when does a franchise merit a reboot? A reboot, and I, I think the number of answers are multitude and figuring that all out. So that's what I would want to wrestle with with this particular film in an academic setting of some. Sort whether it's a class syllabus or not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. That is that is a fun topic, and and it's not even recent, you know, because you can go look at the thing or mm-hmm. Invasion of the Body Snatchers as well, right? And go back to that. All right. So, uh, and I think the thing I would add as a uh, a bit of a flavor and sauce to that whole set of questions, because the only other example I can think of where this kind of has happened recently is in the Star Trek reboot. Okay. Uh, because again, did that series flounder? Did it lose gas, or was it an, a new opportunity? You know, which just again adds another wrinkle and dimension yeah. uh, to what you do with the Chris Pine Kirk as opposed to uh, your William Shatner Kirk, mm-hmm. so, well, as opposed to your very brief stint of Next Generation movies, right? Yeah, it's kind of that's a sequel, like a sequel versus uh, God is Star Trek. Uh, what's the first contact? Uh, the next generation TNG team up movie is that the first legacy sequel? Uh, Generations is what you. That's mean. what it's yeah, called. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Uh, it's kind of perhaps. Damn. Wow, yeah. just realized that. That's kind of cool. So, what is that all about as well? Yeah. So that's that. That's the industrial question I have there. So there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got crazy longer uh, for you there. Let's move on though and get down to business. It's business. It's business. I want to get the scariest thing we can talk about out of the way. And that's bigotry, kids. Oh. Sometimes horror movies are racist. And sometimes they're misogynistic. And sometimes they're both of those things all at the same time. Uh, is this movie mean uh, to people of color? Boy, is it. Does it want the, the one Asian character to be a sexless dude who uh, has good jokes and uh, weed? Boy, does it. Does it uh, want the the black character to talk about race a lot and make his white friends uncomfortable? That's actually pretty funny, and I like that the movie I, does I, that. I, 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 You know, his little rap thing is perfect. There's some it's good, a good bits. bit. There are some good bits. But this movie's got... I mean, again, this dude's not from here, right? The German director who remade this in Texas Chainsaw. I'm not going to totally throw that shit at his feet, but like, I, I think this movie is trafficking in some of the same stuff that... Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, the whole franchise, and most franchises. I was going to say, it's, it's the genre. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the slasher movie. They try, I mean, because of the nature of the genre, almost every human being in the frame of the thing is uh, treated as a piece of meat. It's just, you know, you know, obviously folks with marginalized identities that, that hits a little bit weirder and harder uh, when the, the movie does that. I, I think in 2009, though, we feel better when the black character isn't killed first. Like, that's progress. Yeah. You know what, what I mean? What a weird yardstick, too, for it. But you're absolutely right. You know I mean? that, yeah. That, at, in 2009, that felt like this dude makes it almost 
two thirds of the way through the movie. Right. It's yeah. One of the final five or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 definitely a thing. I was thinking about just the uh, the Friday franchise in general and sex. You know, for the misogyny yeah. piece, it's sort of the horniest slasher franchise, isn't it? It is absolutely that. Yeah. And uh, always has been, you know. I mean, uh, well, relatively chaste, unbridled kids at camp, unwatched. I mean, yeah. that's Puber- that, that's sort of what we're going for. Hormones right? at an all time high. Well, and that's sort of its its whole underpinning, right? Like Jason exists to kill because the the teens were too hormonal to be good babysitters, right? I yeah, mean, they, they were making love while he drowned, says Pamela in the uh, first film, right? Yeah, uh, and, and so the idea is that their unbridled sexuality. Because of their unbridled, I guess, impulse, um, they they pay attention. They poorly pay attention to other responsibilities. Yeah. And so the sometimes real... that's sex. Sometimes it's a uh, secret weed farm. But it is always you're not paying attention to the seven foot tall man with the machete, right? Or you're not paying att- attention to the uh, mentally challenged child uh, yeah. with deformities that needs uh, some extra TLC. And so. Because you're not paying attention to those things, mm-hmm. uh, that's why Jason works as this sort of force of judgment and punishment. That, it doesn't seem that Jason's... I mean, there are readings of Jason where he's anti-sex. I think he's Jason's like the, probably sex negative. I mean, and I guess you, you've already mentioned that Jason X is sort of a low mark for the franchise. But his impulse to the simulation of campers in the 80s being horny is to kill them by putting them in, in sleeping bags, which is a bananas image to have in a movie. right. Yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, an homage to a moment where he kills somebody in an, in a sleeping yeah. bag, and, and does does that one here as well? Yeah, yeah, but he just bashes her against a tree in the uh, in the, in the original, yeah. if I remember right. Uh, but yeah, I, there's there's something though there in these movies because it is the titillation. I mean, you know, you're going to get that, mm-hmm. and so there is an expectation again. And I wonder so much if the sex is gazy voyeuristic in that traditional Hitchcockian kind of sense as much as it is these are the things in which we're trying to use as selling points for the films and people they want that and so they're watching it to get that and I feel like this does the former yeah the former because this doesn't have like or no I'm sorry the latter yeah because this doesn't have much in the way of like filmmaking choices when there's sex or nudity going on it is very much just like tripod in the corner you you paid money for for this and now we're giving you that right right and that is you know clover talks about this and this has been written about a lot but like the nature of the chase in a slasher that ends in a a violent act is there is sort of a a sexual component to the nature of the pacing uh especially a very you know male-centric sexuality but like a that sort of those beats of the chase are, are there and in a the same way that the, the beats of a sex scene would almost happen in another movie, right? right. And that case has been made by lots of smart people, but I, I think it's a compelling one. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that I think these movies do is, I mean, you know, I think you can go to your uh, Nightmare on Elm Street here with <clears throat> Freddy's uh, burn deformities as well. I was actually just about to ask you this. Yeah, is is Jason an ableist character or is he a disabled icon? Why? What's the... I, I, there's no good answer here, of course, but... I, I think he's an ableist character insofar as what we're fearful of is that his otherness, this, other. his, his otherness, because mm-hmm. it is the Elephant Man murders. 
Yeah, I mean, that really yeah. is what this, this becomes. That's why he was bullied, and so that's why he becomes a killer. Right, and, and yeah, so yeah. you might it's do chicken of, yeah. and egg a little bit differently. Like, oh, if he wasn't treated so badly, he wouldn't be such a murderer. Yeah. But yeah. The, the end result is this deformed person is someone of whom we should be very, very afraid. Mm. Yeah. And uh, that's obviously a, a problem with the whole franchise, you know, no doubt. I don't know if I have anything more to say about than that. Yeah, I don't think there is anything. It is sort of a central problem with this particular franchise. But you're right; like it exists throughout horror, um, and and so does a lot of the issues that the Friday franchise has. Right? Like for, for every one of its its issues is an issue that horror often traffics in, just because that is it, the Friday franchise as a whole is is so much playing off of a. a set playbook i guess right that makes sense um coming back to men women and chainsaws and the idea of the final girl uh, i i find it interesting how how this movie managed to have its cake and eat it too because daniel panabaker is definitely set up as our as as sort of the nice girl right in the same way that uh cabin in the woods sort of archetypes everyone definitely those archetypes exist in this film yeah right and she's sort of lined up to be that character and surprise she's not the movie kills her right yeah but we have another final girl we have a final boy uh, whose sister is the the su- surprise secret final girl? Yeah, I think it's an interesting move. I, I do like. I, you know, keep showing your toes. Yeah, you know I've seen it a couple times, and I still when it happened this time, I was like, <gasps> you know, I mean, there was still that little because you don't expect. I mean, no. you're so conditioned to her surviving. Yeah, that it's like, oh yeah, of course, I, you forget that mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. And it's so, no scream, but it definitely is aware of some of the the tropes and yeah. the pacing that it, it's expected to play into. Yeah. He, I, I think that's the one thing the spell is really good at here, and I think with Texas as well, is as we kind of mentioned already, is tapping into the knowledge of these movies, yeah, both personal and what's expected from an audience, right? And I think to turn that final girl trope on its head a little bit there uh, is effective, and I think it does work for the most part. Yeah, I, I tend to as well. You know, I, I, and I think also the movie does a very good job of doing the updates that we have this set of kids that are out camping that just doing kids out camping kind of stuff, but they're also trying to basically geocache, um, finding a weed farm that's buried somewhere on the campgrounds here. It's a good bit. Yeah. It, honestly, it's strong enough of a premise to sustain an entire Friday the 13th movie, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, I mean, because then you've got some, like, Treasure of the Sierra Madre shit, right, where people, like, can't help but, like, let the gold kill them. Um, I, yeah, that's strong enough. But then we do kind of get to a more conventional, the kids are just here to party when right. we get to the actual meat of the movie. With, um, you know, Trent and Sam Kirk. there to... um find his lost sister and presumably do some monster killing yes and yes as well because that's what sam does it's so weird that supernatural is on the air long enough that my man jared pilecki did i get it right Mm -hmm. pedalecki pedalecki ah he was on break from supernatural to do this movie and proceeded to do this that show for long enough for them to talk about and not do a friday the 13th the remake sequel 10 years later like that is bananas Good for you, man. Hey, look, I bet that show has bought him quite a big house and maybe even his mom, too. Yeah. It's just weird. It's such a... Uh, that that show is so long-lived. And, like, I don't know how much... I guess it's got a pretty big fandom, though, right? Oh, yeah. It's a huge... Yeah. It's got that... Taps into that, I guess, high... You know, obviously, you have Sam and Dean, which brings in a higher female, I think, demographic. Yeah. I mean, they are right. hunks. Yeah. To be sure. Yeah. But everybody's hunky on that show. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cass, yeah, and the Fallen Angel. And, it's just yeah. fun for anything that's on. I, I think of the CW, well, the CW right? somewhere between basic and uh, like standard television. Well, 
and cable. But yeah, it is CW. I was really thinking about this is kind of a diversion from what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, we got time, yeah. But I, I, I was thinking about Platinum Dunes, these horror makes, and the correlation with CW stars. And I didn't know. Okay. Because it feels like a lot of these horror remakes, not just Platinum Dunes, but some of the others that come through have people from those CW shows. We talk about Jared Padalecki. We see uh, we see Dean. I can't think of his name. Uh, Jensen Ackles mm. uh, in uh, My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, the uh, same year for We them. see Jordana Brewster in something oh, later. Yeah. Which Right, uh, uh, but even earlier. Now this isn't a remake, but you've got Sarah Michelle Geller, and I know what you did last well, summer. And the, well, in the Grudge, right? Oh, when yeah. they start doing the J horror remake, she's yeah. she comes back in there. Jordana Brewster's in the Texas Chainsaw uh, beginning. That's what it is. Um, well, Jessica Biel, you know, yeah. Seventh Heaven, the pro yeah. WB. But it was just so CW. interesting that all of these kind of teen heartthrobs made the jump to these horror movie remakes. My theory, of course, being that it's a good test, right? Do the does the teen TV show does it cross does, does it transfer? It, yeah, does do these credits transfer? Yeah, yeah. Does this actor have a fan base strong enough to get kids out to the movie? Uh, and I think that's exactly what it is. It's a good way to test the waters of a potential new leading person. Yeah, uh, but you're right though. That is a super similar career je- trajectory for a lot of people. Yeah, Sophia Bush in The Hitcher. Oh wow, yeah. So that's another God, one. Everybody's done this. It's One Tree Hill. Yeah. Wow. Huh. There's I have another there. yeah. thematic question with this film, and that's regarding rural horror. There is a uh, kind ah. of a semi-throwaway scene where um, Clay arrives at the house of a woman with a very mean dog. A great Harbinger character. Yeah. Ugh. And just says, hey, your sister's dead because they disappear around here. And this sort of like country secret where we've got this secret murderer around here and nobody really talks about it and but everybody kind of knows it's a thing uh, either a thing that's taken place in the past and i i just i find that idea really fascinating i'm sorry i'm thinking about what if agent smith sounded like lieutenant your men are already dead mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry <laughs> but you're absolutely right though it is a very funny moment it is I mean, we've talked about rural horror on this show. I think, like, most notably when we cover Deliverance, but like, it is—it's a thing. You're talking about the secrets of a small town. The secrets of a small town, and I—I I, I find just that deployment there to be really affecting. Like, you think about like, there's been you know since 1980, there's been a history of Jason running around in that campground, and nobody goes back to that campground because they all know they know something is there, and they don't know if it's Jason or maybe some have an idea that it is Jason that the actual son. The locals survive. know well enough to stay out of the business. Yeah, they just stay yeah. out of it, and they just don't have anything to do with it. I was, I, I, I lived in a small town in yeah. Eastern Colorado, and I think I may have mentioned this before, um, but we had, um, we had a serial killer um, out there, um, and um, I don't remember exactly which member of the family, so I won't name the name. Uh, right now, but apparently um, would pick up uh, migrant farmers, workers, you know, that kind of stuff, and would kill them and bury them Jesus. on the property. And uh, eventually, you know, a, a handful of graves were found, and this person was arrested and went to jail or whatever. But um, we all kind of know about it, and it's like a thing that people talk about occasionally. Yeah. But it also, we never talk about it. Yeah. Wow. You know, while we were there. Yeah. And it's just, it's like... it's Part of life. It's just a part of life. You know, that, that guy was crazy. You know, and yeah. did, did some bad stuff, 
and also like this is not us this is not our town it's a safe place well it's that idea you know like i i'm gonna fictionalize the conversation but i'm probably pretty sure it happened is with ed gein you know it's like you know there was somebody in town who's like i knew that boy ain't right mm-hmm. yeah. you know i mean everybody had the feeling or knew that something was weird yeah people kept going missing and i got a feeling ed's got something yeah. to do with it yeah. yeah yeah so i mean i think it does tap into a very sincere uh way that small towns operate in in regards to staying out of people's business while also knowing everybody's business. Right. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird. We kind of talked about thing. that a little bit with uh when we did Roadhouse, right? Because oh, there's yeah. that idea of all these people know to stay out of the rich people's business. Yeah. And it's not until our our good friend comes to town yeah. and, and goes to work that really kind of interrupts it that flow. Simply must get things cooled off. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where Clay functions here. He's like, "Well, Something's going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, gonna find my sister. Around. Yeah, yeah. And they do kind of interestingly. I mean, this is one of the the moment you're the scene you're talking about is one of the moments the film positions Jason as being somewhat sympathetic. Right? She's like, he just wants to be left alone. Leave mm. him alone. Who? Who's he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is kind of an interesting moment. Yeah. Um, is there any real sympathy to towards Jason though that this film has? Is it is it sort of just playing lip service to the idea that he was kind of done wrong as a character? I don't know. I don't know if it's sympathetic, but it does kind of feel like, well, you created this guy. Now you got to deal with him. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you, you know? made this monster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he's harder, better, faster, stronger than the original. And and you know, I think in the way he's portrayed here, right? Because he's, he's big. Because I, you know, in the original, he's kind of treated as, I guess he's smart because he can just, or at least somewhat savvy because the way he shows many. up. Yeah. Yeah. But here, I mean, he's. He's operating at a pretty strong level of... Yeah, he's got like this bell system yeah. for alarms, yeah. and he's got this underground layer he's developed, and yeah. Yeah, he can crossbow you from the shoreline if you're out on a speedboat. Yeah. My man is ready for the kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the rules? He's a survivalist. What are, well, apparently, now this is more IMDb <laughs> trivia corner. Hi. Derek Mears, who plays Jason Voorhees here, a famous big dude who's played a lot of big dudes on cinema, he decided to kind of try and channel John Rambo, according to IMDb. He thought of Jason okay. as being a survivalist. So First Blood was sort of a thing that he was thinking about, which, okay. okay. Well, I like hearing I mean, about his process. Sure. In some ways, he's he's just out here forgotten. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so he has just had to raise himself with the limited knowledge that Mother left him. Right. It's extremely sad that Jason doesn't want to leave uh, his hovel without his face covered. That's just sad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We've already covered that as much yeah. as it needs to be, but that yeah. is kind of a bummer. It is a bummer. Yeah. All right. Well, if we have no concluding thoughts on um, Jason and or Friday the 13th, let's go ahead and render a verdict with the remake here. The Friday the 13th, 2009 remake. Dalton, shell for trash. What do you say? Well, Dustin, as topical as it is for 2009's Friday the 13th to feature a lakeside McMansion, uh, I don't I don't think it's strong enough. I don't think it has enough legs for me to say that this is actually about the Great Recession and the, the housing bubble. The movie's fine. It's okay. Is it better than last week's Amityville? Marginally. I don't think it's that much better. So I'm going to go ahead and say pass. Go ahead and check out Friday 6. Dustin and, Ar- Dustin and Arthur both vouch for Jason Lives. They say that's a good one. So that's Zombie Jason's say. fun. I mean, yeah. What's and not to it's, like? it's got some jokes. It does yeah. have some jokes. It's good. All right, well, there you go. Well, what do you say, Arthur? Shell for trash. Man, uh, two years ago, I would have trashed this pretty quickly, but I like it. I, I really do, and I think it does some interesting stuff, and I appreciate it, and so I'm going to put it on the shelf. All right, well, there you go. Um, I am a Friday completionist, um, and I would not go to hell nor to space. 
And so but I would come back to Camp Crystal Lake like as if you'd never been there. I would come back as though it never happened at all. And uh, so with those first eight, I would definitely shelf it. And I would shelf it above episodes three, five, and alongside seven. Have you seen Versus yet? Freddy versus Jaden. Mm-hmm. Well, we've already you done Kong. It? We've already done Kong versus Godzilla, unfortunately. So we can't do like a. AVP I wanted to do a marathon. Of, of yeah, yeah, of versus movies. Yeah. Well, we we it's might. It's APV VVS VVJ mm-hmm. FVJ. There was a comic book that there. was Freddy versus Jason versus Ash from Evil Dead. Briefly, yeah. well, there were so many rumors for a long time that they were going to do Freddy versus Jason versus Michael. Right, like that yeah. was the big thing for a long time. I remember on the internet. I would love to have seen that. Yeah. Well. Another year, another October. We've been thoroughly spooked. I've been shocked. shocked. I, I, I stand shook. I've shocked. been tobered. I've been tobered. Do we need to briefly... I guess we should talk about social media first before yeah, we do that, transition out. Oh, do I have to? Yeah. All right, I'll do it's it this turn, week. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, God help you. Uh, why would you ever do that to yourself? Uh, but we are on Twitter, at Good Trash Media. You can find... Uh, reviews to uh, movies that we just you know movies that are new or articles or think pieces that we thought were pretty good uh polls that either posted by us or just some rando uh good thoughts all that kind of stuff we try to curate a pretty good feed that's at good trash media we also promote this show as well as friends of the network and friends of this show etc uh that's your praise downs with heath and alex your bad girls die firsts your wheels of randy with dan wade uh, various affiliation levels with those those friends. But uh, yeah, we try to make sure that uh, you're aware of uh, the people in our orbit and what they're making. Uh, so again, that's at Good Trash Media. You can send your long-form feedback to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. And we're not making anything for our Patreon right now, but I was just informed that a service that we provide that some would actually consider valuable is our curated little movie selection. I, I was told that I'm I'm not doing a good enough job of selling this. I, I've been informed that the masses want to want to know the Arthur selection. They don't want an algorithm. They want the Arthur rhythm. Uh, so if you give us enough money, don't we all? I I know I do. If you give us enough money, I think it's what is it a month, Arthur? Uh, I think it's ten or fifteen. I don't remember. If you give us ten or fifteen a month, help us keep the lights on. Arthur will send you a survey of mo- actors you like, actors you don't like, movies you're into, and we'll uh, quarterly quarterly yes. send you a blu-ray or dvd of your uh depending on your tier yes tuning on your tier we'll send you a blu-ray or dvd uh of his selection based on your your survey and uh anyway well, i was just talking this came up this weekend and somebody was like well wow, you're you're underselling that's really cool it's like all right well i'll make sure the, the word's out so there you have it uh we're, we're not making any bonus content at the moment but that is a that's a service but we you get a bonus movie uh, we just got a, uh, I think Arthur's trying to troll me. Do you know what he sent us, Dustin? I don't know. Uh, if you don't know, my wife gives. Uh, she's, she refuses to just be allowed to pick a show. Arthur sent us The Replacements, which is, of course, a movie about scabs. <laughs> right. <laughs> Arthur sent me an anti-labor film. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's the social media stuff. Anyway, now that we can say goodbye to Shocktober... Are we are we going to ease out smoothly, Arthur? What's, what's are we happening? Get, we got something horror adjacent next no, week. No, I well, I that's an interesting question because <laughs> it is fall, so I'm feeling roasted marshmallows and flannel and well football. So next week we hit the field to talk about the high pressure football in a small town, Texas, as we tackle Varsity Blues. I don't want your life, Arthur. I don't want to be a dog dad. I have cats. We're talking Allie Larder. We're talking James Vanderbeek. We're talking whipped cream. Beak. Beak.
I'm so excited about the JC- JVBD. Ooh. All right, some football for you, dear friends. You keep watching, we'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. I'm not sure.